I am now about to speak with Brian Darcy James. Brian Darcy James has been on Broadway stages more often than William Shakespeare. How many awards do you have, my friend? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I, I have a, a few that, that I, I have tucked to some way in, in the closet. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I've got a few. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? How many do you have? If I had all those awards, I would certainly know what they are. You don't have them well, out? There, so, you know, there, there's all kinds of awards you can get and, and you know, all kinds of recognition from, from you know, the, the, the business and from colleagues and stuff. So I suppose the biggest the biggest one that I have that I'm, I'm super proud of is a, a SAG Ensemble Award for the movie Spotlight. Um, that was that's quite an honor. And uh, that is uh, that is displayed proudly in my uh, in my in my apartment. Do you dust the thing every once in a while? <laughs> I should dust it. No, I should. I, 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 I'm terrible uh, with dusting. <laughs> okay. Just in case a couple of people are not in New York or don't know what's happening in our city, tell us what show are you in at the moment? Right now I'm doing a beautiful musical called Into the Woods by the late, great Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine. And um, it is a very, very funny and moving and uh you know, the score is obviously beautiful because it's by Sondheim. Um, and it's really set around fairy tale uh, characters that we all know and love, like Little Red Riding Hood, Jack and the Beanstalk. And it's essentially about people wanting to have, you know, their wishes come true and what happens when they do get their wishes. And um, it's the first act is, uh, is very different from the second act in that sense. You see the consequences of getting what you wish. And um, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, we're all having a blast doing it. What do you play? I play a, a character called the Baker, and the Baker is—he's uh, married to the Baker's wife. These are our characters' names, and um, their wish is to have a child. And in order to do that, it's—it's it's kind of a convoluted story, but they basically have to go into the woods to uh, undo a spell that was put on their house by a by a witch, the witch who lives next door. And so it's—it's it's about their journey, trying to find out you know, how to undo this spell so they can have their one big true wish, which is to have a child. And of course, that's fraught with uh, all kinds of shenanigans. Um, so I play the baker. That's that's the role I play. Isn't this a reprise? When was this? Op when did this open on Broadway originally? Uh, I believe 1987 was the first production of it. And then uh, there was a revival in 2001 or two, I believe. And uh, this production was born out of uh, the city center concert series uh, not long ago and um, it did, did very well there and uh, I think they felt they had lightning in a bottle and and uh, had the good sense to uh, find a commercial space for it here at the St. James which is where we are now um, and I have to say it's 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 going great guns people are, are are you know so so desirous of this I think of theater in general um, but there's such an affinity and a, a um, you know people are are very eager to see Sondheim uh, represented, especially in, 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 you know, his recent passing. I think there's a great appetite to honor him and to uh, celebrate him. And so we're, we're experiencing the, 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 the benefit of all that. Did you ever F up on stage? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what, one, one of the things about this show that is very tricky is that Sondheim is, um, is, he's got a lot of lyrics that are very quick and very tricky. 
And um, yeah, there have been many times where I have I have um, replaced his words. You know, please don't tell anybody that I've done this. No, uh, God but, knows uh, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, so how do you recover, or does somebody help you? Does somebody cure you? Well, um, you know, sometimes it's so it's so bad that you just have to acknowledge that it's happened. And you know, uh, not not to say that I ever want to repeat those experiences, but there is kind of a great <laughs> fun in uh, in having people witness that the kind of uh, the sheer embarrassment of it all. Yeah, but you know, know. We're, we're only human, and so so it can kind of lend a certain sense of fun to the moment. Um, that's only if you get back on track, which thankfully uh, has been the case. Listen, I was I was on stage back in the seat when I was 11 years old and I had to turn to the audience once and I'd say, listen, do you know where I am? I can't remember where I am. I actually asked the audience because I was I couldn't find where I was. So you never had to do something as bad as that, right? Not yet, but you know, life is long. And okay. now that I know that that's one of the options, I'm definitely putting that in my back pocket. <laughs> okay. I always meant to ask you. I've only known you 5,000 years, and I never asked you. Why do you have three names? Well, well, I think most people do. Uh, I, have, uh, I have three names professionally because when I joined the union, Actors' Equity, there was already a Brian James. And so rather than change my name, I just added my middle name. And so um, consequently, I constantly feel like I'm you know, being reprimanded by my mother by having my full name repeated. Um, uh, you know, isn't that the case when you're getting trouble, you get, you get the full three names, but, um, yeah, so that's always been since 1988, uh, I've had my full name as a contractual thing with the, uh, with the union. Well, where, how, how did your mother get to the name Darcy? Well, interestingly, it was my dad's brother's name. His name is John Darcy James. And um, where that came from exactly, I'm not sure why my grandparents settled on that name, but it's Irish and it's, you know, obviously no, it's French influence from the Norman, the Norman influence in Ireland uh, in the 1800s. So uh, it's, it's Irish and French and, uh, and uh, you know, I've got a small D, I've got a capital A, I've got an apostrophe in there. I've got, I've got basically <laughs> every glyph in the alphabet in my name. <laughs> When, when you're talking about Irish background, didn't you play an Irishman in The Ferryman? I saw The Ferryman. I did. I did. Cindy, that was one of the highlights of my, my career, just being in that play. I, I, what an extraordinary play by Jez Butterworth. And, um, yeah, that was a, a great play about Northern Ireland. And um, I had the great fortune, uh, along with uh, a company of 18 uh, American actors uh, and Irish and English actors who came in to replace the original cast. And um, but I, I just think that's one of the best plays I've ever read or seen, let alone been in. So, yes, I'm so glad you, you mentioned that because I, I have a, a great, great uh, love for that show. How did you get started in the first place? I started in high school uh, watching my sister, who is a great singer, and she's a, a theater educator in Chicago, and uh, she was always doing the musicals. And so kind of like that song um, from a chorus line, I Can Do That, you know, where the, where the brother watches his sister go to tap class. I was kind of doing the same thing with my sister and was really curious and kind of envious of, of this, these things that she would do on stage. And uh, so that's how I began. And then I went to, uh, I studied acting at Northwestern University, and that's when I really kind of fell in love with it as a, as a science and a, and a skill and a, you know, and a, and a tool set. So, uh, but it started just, you know, just by 
by by witnessing my sister and my parents thankfully were, were huge fans of theater and were always taking us to community plays and driving us down to Detroit to, to see, you know, touring companies. I remember seeing Annie in 1982 down in Detroit at the Fisher theater. And so I was exposed to it a lot. And I was just always, I always gravitated towards it. How lousy were you in your first shot? acting? <laughs> I think everyone, like a, like a, like a horse of a fool that's just trying to walk. Yeah. You stumble, you fall down quite a bit. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I always felt really comfortable um, and confident, strangely. It was the thing, doing theater really gave me a, a confidence in myself. I was a little kid. I was a little guy. And I played sports a lot. And, you know, it became clear that that wasn't going to be uh, that wasn't going to be my future pretty quickly when everyone kept growing and I didn't. Um, but I could always sing. And um, that that really gave me a sense of uh, of, of a, a place of home and um, and confidence. And so, um, but yeah, starting off, it, it's never pretty when you start. <laughs> yeah, I know. But but the singing. <laughs> what does a guy do to protect his voice? When back in the old days, when my husband was around and he was doing some vaudeville, we had a singer that was in the car with us, and we had to close the windows and shut this and do that. To protect the voice, are you a wacko like that too? You have to, you <laughs> yes. have to breathe in stuff and whatever. Well, you know, um, I, I don't know if I would call myself a wacko to that degree, but but I will say that doing a musical, it is, you know, I'm not the first person to say this. You kind of have to live like a monk because yeah, you, you do have to protect your voice. You do have to be careful, and especially these days, it goes without saying. Just with COVID and, and, you know, people's health is of paramount, um, you know, importance uh, in the th- everywhere, obviously. But in the theater, it's a contact sport. So you have to stay healthy and you have to stay kind of, you know, you have to be really careful. Um, and um, I, I'm just coming off of a bout of COVID, COVID myself and I'm having all kinds of issues congestion-wise with my chest and my, my head. And so it's a constant um, conversation, let's say with yourself to figure out how you're doing today and what you need to do to mitigate whatever it is that's, that's bothering you or getting in the way. So it, it is, you know what, I'm going to amend my answer. I am a wacko. So yes, I'm full wacko when it comes to these things. This is so good. I'm glad I asked the question. What about, what about going out afterwards after you do a show and after you've done a matinee, do you go out afterwards to have dinner or how does it work? Well, no, not these days. Again, you know, in the time of COVID, it's, it's really about trying to, for me, I'll speak for myself, just trying to keep my footprint as light and low as possible. Um, but the older I get, the more, the more, you know, the more I want to just go home and, and, you know, watch the news as opposed to going out. A lot of that has to do with care, self-care, and just, you know, again, preserving and protecting my voice and making sure I can do my job. Um, you know, as everyone knows, the older you get, the, the less elastic you are with bouncing back from certain certain activities. So um, I, I'm, I'm tending to be more more cautious and uh, preventative than, than usual these days. What about the pandemic? How much did it knock you down or how do you all protect yourselves backstage or how did it work when when we were in the thick of it? Oh boy. Well, you know, again, uh, everyone, everyone has experienced this to, uh, to a certain degree, uh, some great and some not as great, but uh, we're all living through it. Uh, the theater has been, you know, an industry that has been hit hard by it. And, um, you know, in, in the midst of it, um, I, like everybody else is watching, you know, from seclusion and quarantine. 
Yes, I think maybe we're going to conclude this. I could speak to you for about an hour and a half more, but our oh. station is, the equipment is not as good as you are. So somewhere <laughs> it's faulty, and I'm getting rid of you. And thank you, and I love you, Brian. <laughs> Cindy, thank you so much. It's, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you're well. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, sweetheart. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences. Experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.